this is Pastor Pete. My prayer is that this message you're about to hear will help you to understand and experience God's love and power, regardless of what you may be going through today. God bless you. The book of Genesis. This is tight. This is okay this week, right? This is nice and tight and very strong. It's not going to fall. Yeah, it usually doesn't, so. Uh, what's the worst that could happen, right? We're still in the book of Genesis, folks. And um, I do need a clicker, right? So we're going through this series. Examples to follow and not to follow. As we go through the scripture, we will see examples to avoid and examples that we definitely need to follow. It's, uh, it's something where we need discernment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you something a little scary that just came to my mind. There's a pastor that was in Philadelphia. He decided to leave his wife and go for another woman. His son was very, this is a true story. I know the family. His son was very confused about that. And uh, he said, Dad, you always taught me that to commit adultery is wrong, that you should stay with your wife. And, and his dad responded and said, well, son, King David had other girlfriends and he had other wives. So, it's okay. This pastor didn't realize that there are examples to follow and not to follow. He was using the sin of David as an excuse to sin. And it's a very sad, sad thing. We can lead others in the wrong direction when we start following the bad examples. And as we go through the book of... Um, Genesis, we're going to continue to see, God's going to continue to show us some very, very important uh, passages in Scripture. If you can turn that fan a little bit away from me, that black fan, turn it a little bit that away, and this way it won't um, turn my pages. I think that's better. I think that's better. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Uh, so we're going to make our way through here. Oh, yes. Thank you. That is a cool thing. Thank you so much. Serving obediently and starting over. Serving obediently. And this is what Noah did. As we study more and more about Noah, we'll see how he served, but he served obediently. And then they started over. God said, this is a mess. We need to start. <laughs> we need to just start over. But Noah's um, service really helped. God was using him. Let's pray. Father, we need... We need your help. Help us to understand your word, to apply it to our lives as we take a look at Genesis chapter 7. Guide us. Speak to us. And I pray that the seeds will go on the good soil of people's hearts here. We depend upon you. Speak to us, Lord. Remove all mental distractions, demonic discouragements, distractions, deceptions, and help us to hear your voice. You said, my sheep hear my voice and follow me. So help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, leading your family the right way. Leading your family the right way. I was um, in North Carolina going to a wedding. I was about 17 or 18 at the time. And we were at a hotel getting ready to go to the wedding. I was with my parents. And um, we get to the church, and it said St. Leo's Cathedral. Okay, so we went, and we're talking. And I'm, I'm kind of I'm nervous because I don't know anybody. It felt kind of weird. I didn't know anybody at this wedding. 
and my dad is talking to this gentleman, and uh, my dad said, yeah, this is, there's a lot of people here. Uh, so my dad asked, the guy who was getting married's name was David, David Brady, and uh, he said, so tell me, uh, how do you know David? And the man responded to my father and said, David? Robert is getting married, not David. And so my dad looked at me, we looked at each other, are we at the wrong wedding? This is not the right place? This is, no, David is not getting married here. Robert so-and-so is getting married here. So we, so we ran to the car and we went back to the, to the hotel to find somebody who was going to the right, to the correct wedding. Fortunately, we saw somebody leaving. He had on a black suit. We said, maybe he's going. Go ask him. So I ran over and said, sir, are you going to David Brady's? Yes, yeah, yeah. Follow me, follow me. Follow. So we got in the car, we went. He was the last one at the hotel. We would have, mi we would have traveled all the way to North Carolina and missed the wedding. We ended up going to the wrong one. And we felt bad. My dad was like, I'm sorry. I caused so much stress for you guys. But we were just, we followed because we thought, we thought he was leading us to the right place. And he realized that he wasn't. Now, as parents, we need to lead our family in the right way. And Noah did that. Noah led his family in the right direction. And we need to, we need to follow his example in, 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 in that sense. As we, look at, as we look at chapter 7, reading verses 1 to 3, look at Genesis chapter 7, verses 1 to 3. Then the Lord said to Noah, enter the ark, you and all your household, for you alone I have seen to be righteous before me. In this time, I need to stop and apologize to you all for something. The Lord convicted me last night. The Lord told me he, that he didn't like how I said something to you all a couple weeks ago. And I, I felt convicted about it, and I want to share this with you. God did not, cho did not choose Noah because of the goodness of Noah. The word favor, when God shows favor upon, to, to you, grace is another word for unmerited favor. It has nothing to do with how nice you are. You see, when you grew up as a little girl, you grew up as a little boy, in your mind, you thought, if I'm a good girl, I get rewards. If I'm a good girl, I get an A on my test. I get 100. I get a smiley face. I'm considered a really good girl because of what I've done. But the Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags in God's sight. Out of God's grace, he chose Noah. And anything good, anything righteous was by God's grace. God opens our eyes to see things differently than the rest of the world. The Bible says, Jesus said to his disciples, you did not choose me. I chose you. If we don't understand that about God, you will continue to continually depend on your own righteousness to impress God and deep in your heart you know you can't do anything good enough because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We will continue reading about Noah and you will see he wasn't perfect. He ended up getting drunk with alcohol. God in his grace looked down upon him and God did something in him. If you compare Scripture with Scripture, you'll see that this is true. 
He did a work. He's the one that pursued Saul of Tarsus and changed his life. He pursued you. If you're born again, you didn't wake up one morning and say, you know what, I think I want to try Jesus. I think that would be a good idea. You didn't choose him. Jesus chose you. You, he loves you unconditionally, and he wants to use you to show unconditional love to other people. But it's all by his grace. It's all by his mercy. Noah did not choose God. God chose Noah. I want to use you, Noah. I want, I want to do something special in your heart. I want to open your eyes to see the difference between what is evil, what is good, and I want to use you to reach your family. That's your first area that I want you to influence, your family, leading your family the right way. I wanted to emphasize that, that this was not because Noah was such a good guy. God chose him, but we will see that. We will see that as we continue to read through Genesis. We will see how God does this. Don't take these verses out of context. Then the Lord said to Noah, enter the ark, you and all your family, for you alone have I seen to be righteous. Isn't that interesting? Before me in this time. Earlier on it says that God showed favor towards Noah. So there's no contradiction there. Verse 2, you shall take with you of every clean animal by sevens and male and his female and of the animals that are not clean to a male and his female and also of the birds of the sky by sevens, male and female, to keep offspring alive on the face of the earth. You see how you keep life going? Not with a female and a female, amen? Not with a man and a man, but whether it's the animal kingdom or mankind, if you want to keep on, keep life going, male and female. Do you realize that we're in a world that's afraid? There are preachers that are afraid to say that in parts of California and ar around the world, they think it's very in vogue or it's very in style or it's very modern to talk about things in a, in a way that does not discriminate or put down others. But the Bible says there needs to be mercy and truth. You have to tell the truth. If it's sin, it's sin. Male and female. We got to keep that in mind. Now look at this. I just told you about St. Leo's Cathedral. God designed... For fathers to take the leadership role, this is his design. I realize that there are mothers that are raising their kids, but God's design, with the way the Lord wants it, the way the Lord originally designed this was for the fathers to take the leadership role as they love their wives and children. The next generation needs examples of how to serve God with love and fear. That means reverence, respect for God. Notice this. Look at this. Each of Noah's sons had only one wife, which was an example set by their father. One wife. And they followed, and I said, yeah, well, Daddy only has one wife. Now, why is that such a big deal? Back in chapter 4, there was somebody who had more than one wife. This is part of the reason why God had to send a flood, because wives were disrespected, husbands were disrespected, children were hating each other, killing each other. God said, I got to start over. This is a mess. But he set an example for his children. It's a beautiful thing, right? One wife. And all three of his sons had one wife. I want to say this about Jesus. One day, Philip said to Jesus, Jesus, 
Show us the Father. We want to know who the Father is. Show us the Father. And, and Jesus said, Philip, have you been with me this long? Don't you know once you've seen me, you've seen the Father? There's a prophecy about Jesus that he would be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. You want a perfect example of a father? Look at Jesus. He's perfect. He's the perfect father that we, but he's also a perfect husband who takes care of his bride, the church, and laid down. He wasn't only willing to lay down his life, he laid down his life for his wife, for his bride. That's us, the church. He's the perfect example. Noah was a good, he wasn't perfect, but God looked at him and says, wow, there's something, there's something different about you. It was by God's grace. God did something different in this man's heart to be the father that was, that was unique than any other father in the world at that time. A husband to his wife that was unique. And Jesus is that way too. And we can follow the Lord Jesus' example. Showing our children the way to salvation is seen in this story as everyone entered one door into the ark. We're in a society where people are teaching teenagers there's more than one way to God. There's other religions. There could be Buddha, Islam, Hinduism, all sort of different religions out there. But the, notice, one door. They went into one door into the ark. Jesus said, I am the way. And Jesus also said in John chapter 10, verse 9, I'm the door. Enter through me. He's the door. And it's our responsibility as parents to teach our children that. And some parents are being persecuted for this. In China, for example. There's persecution going on there. We need to be parents that are leading our children to Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. And in Acts chapter 16, we see spiritual influence of a parent when Paul responded to the jailer who asked, how to be saved? How must I be saved? Because he saw Paul and he saw Silas singing during their persecution, during their imprisonment, and he says, what must, what must I do to be saved? Paul said to him, he, he mentioned the way for the man's salvation and his whole house. That man accepted Christ and they believed, his family, they believed and were baptized because God used his testimony. So God wants to use us. He definitely wants to use us as parents to lead our family in the right direction. Parents are the first line of defense. Then comes pastors, teachers, not necessarily in this order, but you know what I mean. Pastors, teachers, coaches, mentors, and we will all answer to God for how we lead our family. Noah answers to God for that. We will have to answer to God for that but we're the first line of defense. Sometimes we can depend on these, the children's ministry teachers, to teach our children. We're the first line of defense. Amen? You're not going to depend on the teachers at school, even if it's a Christian school. Well, well, at least they're getting biblical education. All a pastor should be or a coach should be or a teacher should be is a reinforcement of what you're already teaching your children. Reinforcing nada más. It starts in your home. And Noah took that seriously. Noah said, I'm going to lead, I'm going to lead these folks. I'm going to love my wifey. And I want to teach him to love his wifey. Him to love his wifey. All of them. But he took the lead. Wives, pray for your husband that he'll lead properly. 
Husbands, pray for your wife. Nurture her. Appreciate her. Love her as Christ loves the church. And as you do that, she will be the support that you need. Loving each other. But Noah took the lead. Praise the Lord. He took, he took the lead. Patience, persistence, and promises. Let's look at Genesis chapter 7. Let's look at verse 4 to 12. Read with me. For after seven more days, I will send rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights, and I will blot out from the face of the land everything that I have made. And Noah did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. We saw that before, right? Noah didn't play around. He, he, he kept, all of, kept all of God's commandments. Verse 6, now Noah was 600 years old when the flood of water came upon the earth. Then Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him entered the ark because of the water of the flood. That's when they started going in. They saw this water like, whoa, I've never seen this before. Let's get on inside. Verse 8, of clean animals and animals that are not clean and birds and everything that creeps on the ground, cockroaches, ants, you name it, they all got on the ark. Verse 9, there, there went into the ark to Noah by twos, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. Verse 10, and it came about after the seven days that the water of the flood came upon the earth in the 600th year of Noah's life in the second month and the 17th day of the month on the same day, all the fountains of the great deep burst open and the floodgates of the sky were open. Verse 12, and the rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. 120 years it took him to build that ark. I want to tell you about Eddie Hansen. I may have told you about her before. I called her this morning. This is a dear lady who was a member of my dad's church in Brooklyn. But she prayed over 30 years for her husband's salvation. 30 years. And she saw him get saved. My dad went to their home one day, led him to Christ by God's grace, and his life changed. His life changed so much, Eddie Hansen said to me, Pete, sometimes I wonder if he loves Jesus more than I do. He loves Jesus. Hallelujah. But she prayed for him for 30 years. Be patient. Is there somebody you're praying for and they haven't gotten saved yet? And you're like, Lord, when? When are you going to open their eyes? First, thank, thank the Lord that he opened your eyes by his grace. Don't stop praying. 30 years, Eddie Hansen prayed. 120 years, Noah was building. Noah patiently and persistently obeyed God by building and warning the people for more than a lifetime. So you might think a lifetime is 70 years. Okay, 120 years. God told him, now in this passage we just read, God said, okay, you're almost done. Seven more days, seven days from now, the flood's coming. He, he told him, after seven more days, you're going to see a promise of judgment fulfilled. Whether it's a long or short time, we should be faithful to our Lord with love, gratitude, Respect and trust. So if he tells you, wait seven days, serve the Lord faithfully if it's seven days. If he says, wait 120 years, <laughs> I know you won't be around that long. Some of us might be, you never know. My dad is 82. He's 82 years old. There's some things that he's, hallelujah. He's still praying for his sister's salvation. Praying, sharing the gospel with her. Do you remember when there was a big explosion in Paris three years ago? There was a big explosion in a stadium, I believe. My aunt was in a cafe with an old lady, and they heard the explosion. My, my aunt's life was spared. My dad shared the gospel with her again. But he's patiently waiting, patiently, patiently. Don't give up. 
Don't stop. Don't stop. Noah was 480 years old when he started. He was 600 when the flood came. The reason they entered the ark, listen to this now. This is why they entered. The reason they entered is because of the floodwaters. They started to see the flood, and they're like, whoa, time to move. God will use circumstances in your life to move you to the place that he wants you to go. I'm going to tell you, well, it could be persecution. It could be a loss of your job. It could be a hurricane. We met a family. I was taking some master's level classes in Tennessee, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. Met this young man named uh, Woody. He told me that the reason why he's in Bible school is because of that big hurricane Katrina. Do you remember Katrina? He said that's why he's in Bible school. He lost his house. And God told him, I've called you to the ministry, and I will move you in whatever way I need to move you. And they moved to Tennessee. That's how I got to meet him. He said, God used that flood. God used that storm to get me where he wanted me to be. God might be doing that with some of you, taking you through a, a very difficult moment, a very difficult time to get you to do so. I felt like we experienced that last night. We received some horrible news, and it moved me to call my wife's brother to take some action. God will use a circumstance that's very uncomfortable, maybe scary, maybe sad, to get you to be where you're supposed to be. That's what happened to them. It said as the flood came, they said, okay, time to move inside this ark. God will move you and get you. Maybe, maybe he wants to, thank you, Lord. Maybe he wants to get you somewhere spiritually. And the only way that can happen is a flood has to come. Something disturbing has to come to get your attention and say, okay, time to move. God's been telling me for three years to move. God's been telling me for 15 years I need to do this. God's been trying to get my attention, but now it's time to move. And they move into the ark where God wanted them to be, but they would not have chosen to walk in there unless they saw those floodwaters. Maybe in the back of their mind they might have thought, is it really necessary to really go in there? Maybe Noah just doesn't know what he's talking about. But Noah was patient, persistent, and he took God's promises seriously. From the early chapters of Genesis, we can see that God keeps his promises and the devil tells lies and he sets up traps. God will, he says to Adam and Eve, you will die if you eat from that tree. Kept his word. They died. They saw the first homicide. Cain kills Abel. God keeps his word. I feel led to say this too. As a parent, husband or wife, or mother or father, mother or father, God will tell you to do certain things and some of your family members will think you're crazy. I, it, doesn't say, it doesn't say that Noah got a lot of friction from his family. It doesn't say that. In the book of Job, you know, of course, Job's wife says, why don't you just curse God and die? This is crazy what you're going through. I don't know what happened to Noah. But I know reality, if, if it's 120 years, is it possible that as one of his sons was helping him, you know, sawing or whatever, is it possible that one of them said to Noah, are you sure, Dad? We've been waiting for 70 years, Dad. Nothing has happened. So are you really sure? Now tell, me, tell us the story one more time, Dad. We want to get this right. Don't you think it's possible? You start doubting. Your kids will start doubting. Your husband will start doubting. Your wife will start doubting. Stay patient, persistent. And take God's promises seriously. Even if family members 
think you're crazy, or they might think you overreacted a little bit. You know what some men would have done if they were Noah? Just for the sake of peace and no more embarrassment, Lord, let one of my sons do it. I'm tired. Let one of my sons build the ark. I'm, I just can't. This is embarrassing. People laugh at me every day. I go out there, Lord. But he was patient, persistent, and he took God's promises seriously. Even though it seemed like, it, 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 it may have seemed like this clock was going really slow, slow, 120 years. I don't know what God is telling you to wait on. But wait on the Lord and be of good courage. Amen? Wait on him. Wait on him. Wait on him. Proverbs chapter 14. Let's look at that really quick. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. Proverbs. Proverbs 14, verse 12. Very, very good verse to become familiar with in case you're not familiar with it yet, but it reads, there is a way that seems right to a man. Don't be surprised when God gives you an assignment in your family or in your personal life or at, or at work. Look at this, Proverbs 14, verse 12. There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. I'm sure, without a doubt, there were some people that listened to Noah's message. A flood is coming. Flood is coming, folks. This is no joke. That's why I keep building. And they, they were leaning on their own understanding. They're like, we never saw that before. This doesn't make sense. As a matter of fact, Noah, you look crazy. You just have that look in your eye like, I'm not going to trust you, Noah. It seemed right to them. But the end leads to death. I need to say this to you. You will be looking on the internet, looking on Facebook, and you'll see something that you know the Bible says is wrong, and all of a sudden, because you're getting used to it, you might look at it and say, well, it, maybe it's not that bad. This, is, this isn't, I don't really feel that this is bad. This seems okay. We just read it. There's a way that seems right to man, but it leads to death. While those people were drowning, they re some of them really thought that that would never happen. It sounded ridiculous. But there was warning for 120 years. I want to say to you, when it seems like it's okay and you know the Bible says it's wrong, you can't go by, by your feelings. Get in the habit of saying to one another, you know what, bro? It really doesn't matter what you think. You know what, folks? It doesn't really matter what Pete Campbell thinks. What does God's word say about it? Because there are preachers and parents who are going to say to you, but that's okay. I know 30 years ago that was wrong, but we're in 2019. It's okay now. You're overreacting to this. There's a way that seems right. Noah, I know, I know that Adam and Eve, it was just them, but don't you know, Noah, it's okay to have more than one wife now? Don't you know it's okay to kill somebody if, they, if you just don't like them? It's okay, Noah. All this stuff you're preaching about, it's, it, you're, you're getting carried away, Noah. There's a way that seems right to man. But the end is death. Let's keep going so we can land this plane. Never alone to figure it out. Verses 13 to 22. Look at this with me. Verses 13 to 22. 
On the very same day, Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth and the sons of Noah and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast after its kind and all the cattle after their kind and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth and after its kind and every bird after its kind, all sorts of birds. Thank God chickens were on that. I love chicken. Thank you, Lord, for chicken. Ostrich meat is great, by the way, too. You all need to try ostrich meat. It's very good. Verse 15. So they went into the ark of Noah by twos of all flesh, in which was the breath of life. And those that entered, male and female of all flesh, entered as God had commanded him. And the Lord closed it. The Lord closed the door, not Noah. The Lord closed the door. He said, time is up. The Spirit of God does not always strive with man. Time's up. God closed it. Verse 17, then the flood came upon the earth for 40 days, and the water increased and lifted up the ark so that it rose above the earth. And the water prevailed and increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. Verse 19, and the water prevailed more and more upon the earth. It just kept rising, rising, rising. So that all the high mountains everywhere under the heavens were covered. This is what the word of God says, folks. I believe it. Verse 20, the water prevailed 15 cubits higher and the mountains were covered. We're going to go down to verse 22. And the flesh that moved upon the earth perished. That was the warning. He warned them. Birds, cattle, beasts, every swarming thing that swarms upon the earth and all mankind of all that was on the dry land, all in, those in, in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life, they died. Let me read verses, the last two verses. Thus he blotted out everything that was upon the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things to the birds of the sky, and they were blotted out from the earth. And only Noah was left together with those that were with him in the ark, and the water prevailed upon the earth 150 days in entirety. Okay? So listen to this as we're closing now. As we're closing, listen to this. Getting family members to cooperate is not always easy. Somebody say amen. It's not easy. God tells you to do something or a new direction. It's not always easy. But listen to this. Getting over 40,000 animals, you might not know this, but that ark could fit 45,000 animals. So imagine you have to get this zoo of animals <laughs> organized Getting 40,000 animals to cooperate is a miraculous work that only God can do. God invites us to be part of what he's doing in this world. We are not on a solo assignment. God tells you to do something. It's like, Lord, I don't know how to figure this out. You're joining him in doing his work. You're not doing it by yourself. Whatever seems impossible, whatever vision God gives you, he will coordinate it for you. He will make things happen. You will realize it is a God-sized project. Noah, don't try to figure it out. Don't try to figure this thing out. You're going to have a headache. Moses, don't try to figure it out. Esther, don't try to figure out how I'm going to save these Jewish people. Don't try to figure this out. Just obey me. And I'm going to do a miraculous thing. Just obey me. Trust and obey. And watch what happens. God, God wants you to join him in what he's doing. He doesn't want you to try to do something on your own. When God gives you an assignment, don't try to figure it out or how it can happen. We walk by faith, not by sight. I remember crossing the border, coming into Mexico. This is about seven years ago, six and a half years ago. I was with this couple. They didn't have the right paperwork. So we're at the border in McAllen, Texas, and the person takes this stamp and says, we are not letting you in. Sir, you don't have the right paperwork. He said that to my buddy, Randy. I said, oh my gosh. 
I have to follow Randy in because I don't know where I'm going. But now he's telling Randy, you can't enter with your wife, sir. This man can go. And I was like, I don't want to go. I need to follow this guy. So now we have to drive an hour and a half to another border crossing. Not McAllen now. This is another, I, I don't know, if it, I think it was Laredo. Wherever it was, we had to go to this other place. Now we're standing online, and I'm, and I'm praying, Lord, give us a nice person that will just let us in. Jesus, please. And I see the man talking to this woman, and he's mean. He's saying, you don't have the right paper. I said, oh, gosh, Lord Jesus, I need you, Lord. Please lead us to another man. This guy's mean. He's not going to let us in. And the same problem that my buddy had, this lady had. Wrong paperwork, wrong, and, he's, and I'm thinking, this does not look good, Lord. But when God sends you on an assignment, don't try to figure it out or lean on your own understanding. Because as we got closer and we were next, I just said, Jesus, <laughs> we can't get in without you. This mean man, and he was mean. He was not nice. He looks, he looks up at us. He's looking, and I know the other guy from the other border crossing, he stamped it and said, we can't get in. So I'm saying, Lord, the only way this can happen is if you blind the, mind, the guy's eyes so he doesn't see this. Lord, Lord, please. I don't want to travel by myself. He looks at the paperwork. <laughs> he looks up at all of us and says, Welcome to Mexico. I think I walked, I walked to my car like this. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> we got out to the car. We're laughing. We were laughing. We're like, God, you did that. That was you. We try to figure it out. We try to figure out how is God going to do this. God brought the animals to Noah. He gave him an assignment that was too big for Noah. So whatever assignment he has for you, remember you, say, you serve the same God that Noah served. Amen? He will get you to where you're supposed to go. He will help you. You're not coming up with something for God. He's inviting you to join him in his work for his glory. We are co-laborers with God. 1 Corinthians 3.9. Write that one down. That's a good verse. You're working with God. You're not working. No, I'm working for God, doing something for him. No, you're co-laborers with him. This is his idea. This is his mission. Jesus gave an example, John 5.17. He worked with his father to accomplish the miraculous. He says, my father works and I work too. They work together. They work together. So as we close, when he cleansed the earth, there was a flood. It was a preview of a cleansing of this earth. God cleansed the earth of sin during his life. But the second coming of Christ, brothers and sisters, it won't be a flood. It'll be fire. He's going to cleanse this earth with fire. He's going to purge this earth with fire. He's going to judge this earth with fire. So Billy Graham has a meeting with John F. K. Uh, 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 John, John F. Kennedy less than a month before he's assassinated. They're driving a car together, and John F. Kennedy asked Billy Graham, tell me about the second coming of Christ, because in the Catholic Church, we don't hear about that. Tell me about this. This is less than a month before he's, he, he's killed. Billy Graham had the opportunity to share with JFK about the second coming and the need to put his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be cool to see JFK in, in heaven? I don't know what's going to happen. But he had a chance to tell him about the second coming of Christ, and we need to preach more about it, that when he comes again, it will not be with water, it'll be with fire. He'll do it again, this time with fire instead of water. God is holy and just. But he died for us on the cross, and he wants us to be saved. And Billy Graham shared the gospel with John F. Kennedy. Second Peter chapter 3, 
I want to encourage you to read that. That talks about when Christ comes again and this earth will be purged but with fire. We need to warn people. When you have time, check that verse out. As we close, here's a question you want to ask. Are you ready? Are you ready or are you not taking Christ's second coming seriously? John F. Kennedy didn't know anything about it. He's a grown man, and he's like, tell me about this. I don't get it. We're not learning this in the Catholic Church. But in 2 Peter, he talks about the flood that came, but the fire that's coming the second time. It's a preview of a cleansing judgment that would come later on, but with fire. You need to know for sure that you're saved, that you really know Christ as your Savior. Warn others, just as Noah did. Let's bow our heads in prayer. As a matter of fact, let's stand to our feet at this time. Let's stand to our feet. Everyone stand up, please. With your head still bowed and your eyes closed. Noah was chosen by God's grace to be an instrument to warn people. But I hope you notice in this story, his first ministry was his family, to be an influence on his family, his wife, his boys, his daughter-in-laws. God had a plan to use Adam and Eve to influence their children. He told them be fruitful and multiply and pass on truth to, his, to their children. But there's something different about Noah. By God's grace, God did something in Noah's heart and mind. God wants to use you whether you're a single mom or you have a man in the house, you're, you're a dad, you have a wife in the house, you have your children, boys or girls. It says that Noah did everything that God told him to do. He practiced what was right. God gave him an, an assignment that seems so impossible, and so what happens, don't be surprised, God tells you to do something, and then you're tempted to say, how in the world is this going to work? You see what he did for Noah? He brought the animals. God made it happen. God made it happen. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Trust him. Do you need to repent, Dad, husband? Do you need to say, Lord, I need you to fill me with your spirit so I can be a better husband, a better father, a better example. I need to be more patient and not make impulsive decisions. I need to stay on the assignment that you've given me with patience, perseverance, and taking your promises seriously. I need to be a better example. Mothers, you, however God is guiding you, you can be a better example. The Lord will show you how. Loving your husband, encouraging your husband, praying for your husband, husbands praying for their wives, loving her as Christ loves the church. This keeps coming up. In the book of Genesis, it keeps coming up over and over and over again because God is trying to tell us that is the foundational strength of society, the family. 
Whenever that's not taken seriously, it has, a, it has a bad effect on communities, on churches, on children. Lord, bless each person here, I pray. I pray we will not just be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. Show us where we can improve, whether it's our words, our activities, our relationships, our thought life, our habits, our entertainment. Help us to always remember there is a way that seems right. It might even feel right, but it leads to death, destruction, confusion, conflict. Lord, your word says, be holy because I'm holy. Be different. Don't be conformed to this world. Be like Noah. Most of all, be like Jesus. If you're not sure if you're saved and you want to know more about that, we can talk afterwards. The word of God says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God will forgive you. You must believe that Jesus is Lord, that he died for you on the cross. He died for your sins. He rose again. And you must accept him personally as your Lord and Savior. And he will save you if you just call upon him. Thank you for this time, Lord. We praise your name. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of the Father, and fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each person here. Let's sing a benediction song together. Well, I hope that message was a blessing to you. Feel free to pass it on to someone who needs to hear it. And if you want to know more about having a relationship with Christ, check out our website at www.graceintruthgdl.org. And remember, so many are looking for real love and power in this life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. God bless you.